And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic Excited to be back with you guys. I'm talking to you on Monday night. The Washington football team did practice today. Yes, they did. The bye week is over. Uh, The team is getting ready for their rematch of last year's playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Got some things to share with you from what happened out there today. And as far as the bulk of the episode, uh, our friend Scott Jackson, voice of the Washington football team post-game show uh, on the radio, a longtime, obviously, uh, broadcaster in this town. Scott and I got together. Uh, just a few minutes ago to talk about this team. Uh, basically, uh, I borrowed from Peter King's 10 Things I Think, shared five things that I think, things that have to do with uh, Antonio Gibson, Chase Young, a couple things that Ron Rivera said today that caught my attention, one involving the offense um, and sort of the some play choices, not on third down, but on another part of the offense that's interesting. And also, like, who are some players we want to see play more, I guess, as this as we go down the stretch? And Scott and I got into a bunch of that stuff. Always a fun conversation with Scott. Uh, and so, all right, in addition to Scott Jackson, uh, my friend Chase Hughes with NBC Sports Washington is going to be here talking about the surging Washington Wizards, now 7-3 and three after 10 games. Big win Sunday night or the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll get into what's been going on with them sure we'll get to all that and more here in a moment on the standard room only podcast which of course you can subscribe to on itunes spotify or anywhere else you do your podcasting and that includes the athletic app if you're a subscriber you can listen to this podcast on the athletic ad free Uh, by the way you get the entire website it's not just signing up for the podcast it is signing up for the entire web the entire website so you can check that out but if you go if you go to um uh, if you try to find the standard room only podcast on there, click on the link, it'll take you uh, to sign up and you can do that. You can also, of course, sign up going through one of my articles. I have a new article up on, on Monday about I decided to do a player, a, a, a roster evaluation since we're effectively at the midway point of the year. But rather than focus on it for this year, the focus is on for next year. What does this team look like in 2022? Um, based on what we're seeing now, what are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What are the concerns? What are the things down the stretch of these last nine games that will help us shape how we view this team and what their actual needs are? So hopefully you guys can check that out as well. Um, all right. And of course, you want to find me on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standing and Scott is at Jackson Sports. Now, in terms of um, uh, in terms of what happened today, by the way, I hope everybody had a good bye week. Hope you got recharged. I asked Ron Rivera today how he's feeling after the bye week. Um, and and he said that, you know, look, he he spent his time reviewing kind of everything. 
And he spoke to his coaching staff to try to make sure that they were all on the same page with things. He seemed to be in a relatively good mood. I mean, I think, I, I think Ron Rivera has been around long enough. He doesn't, you know, I don't think he's one of those coaches that like, not, obviously the winning and the losing is impactful, but I don't think he's one of these guys that like is, you know, borderline suicidal after a loss. And, you know, it's, he's not sleeping in the gym, in the, in the, in the building, you know, all night. Uh, not, that's not a criticism. That's, it, that's probably healthy, uh, but he seemed to be in a reasonably good mood. Um, we're going to get a bit better sense of what this, of, of his mood later in this week in terms of an injuries front, because there's a bunch of guys that are still out. Um, they don't, the injury report is not out officially until Wednesday. So he did not have to disclose anything to us today. He did say, I asked him about Logan Thomas. There was some expectation. Logan Thomas could be back this week. He's obviously on IR since suffering a hamstring injury in week four. Um, Logan Thomas was on the side today. And Ron Rivera said the plan was to test him out a bit today with the hamstring, see where he's at. And then if he's good, get him out there on Wednesday. They still at the point that they put him in a real practice would have 21 days to activate him or lose him for the year. But presumably if they did that, there would be a chance he could even play this week uh, at, against Tampa Bay. That's that's a big one to keep an eye on. Obviously, Curtis Samuel, he was on the side field again today. Um, once again, uh, Brandon Scherf, Sam Cosme, Deami Brown, they were participating in their various position drills, as was William Jackson. Again, we didn't get a designation today, so I don't know who was a full participant or a limited or anything like that, um, but they were at least for position drills. Um, they were out there with their with their respective uh, groups. So something to keep an eye on there. And, of course, Montez Sweat is going to be out four to six weeks with his hairline fracture in his jaw. We discussed that situation, not so much him, but just what's going to happen at defensive end uh, going forward now uh, for the for this stretch of time. So that that's the gist of kind of what was going on out there today. And I guess I should note, at this moment I'm talking to you, we still don't know what the deal with Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He supposedly is going to have his MRI. It's two weeks from when Ron Rivera said he would have it in two weeks. As of the time I'm talking to you, I'm not aware that he has had it yet. I was told it would be today or tomorrow. We'll see what happens there. Again, I'm not holding my breath that we're going to see Ryan Fitzpatrick back this year. Um, you know, if he's only just now getting the MRI, that means it's going to be several weeks, most likely, before he's ever for free from plays. Last week, Ron Rivera told the sports junkies that Fitzpatrick is only doing um, – he's he only thrown the ball in the weight room, which sort of just a way to me of saying he's not ready to get out there on the field – and at some point here, if they don't really start turning this around and getting into contention, not really sure what the upside is of for just from his perspective of getting back out there. Obviously, you want to play and you're getting paid, but I'm just being realistic. You know, he's 38. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. If he wants to keep playing, putting yourself back out there may not be the wisest move, um, but we'll see. At the same point, you know, we don't know. And they would, I would even argue they may be better off going with Heineke and Kyle Allen just to see what they have with them as opposed to going to Fitzpatrick. But that's a ways off. The larger point is still don't know when he's going to be back. We don't even know if we'll, when, what we'll know when they tell us about the MRI. But hopefully we'll hear something about that um, by the time we talk to Ron Rivera next on Wednesday. All right. Um, that's it for me here. Let's get to my conversation with the great Scott Jackson. Oh, and by the way, before I forget, in case anybody took the bye week off and they went uh, out of town, they, they wherever you went, had two great podcasts last week, put together effectively what I would call the Washington football team summit, part one, a fun combination. Kevin Sheen from the Team 980, Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan, 
you guys listen to them all the time on their shows or in Kevin's case, also his podcast. You've never heard them together. It was interesting to hit, to bring them together um, to, to talk about this team. The bigger picture stuff we focused on in part two, similar conversations. Matthew Barry from ESPN. He and I spoke. Grant Paulson joined that conversation as well. A lot of bigger picture stuff about where this franchise is at. And then also in that episode, our NFL draft analyst, Dane Brugler, stopped by to share his thoughts on the quarterback class. So you can check all that out on um, the Standard Room Only podcast uh, as well. By the way, in the in the article that's up on The Athletic, I also discussed uh, or have a note in there about where Washington, where they had scouts over the weekend. Wow, screw it. I'll just tell you really quickly. Uh, Martin Mayhew, GM, was at the uh, Ole Miss Liberty game because you had their Malik Willis and Matt Corral, two of the top quarterback prospects in this class. They had a scout at the Wake Forest, North Carolina game, which also had two really interesting quarterbacks, including Sam Howell with Carolina. And I was, I was told they were expected to have as many as possibly three people at the USC Arizona state game, uh, two quarterbacks there as well, including uh, Keaton Slovis at USC, a guy who I really liked last year, but that whole team has fallen apart this year for a variety of reasons. So they're out looking at quarterbacks. This isn't the only week they've been doing this before, but this week was a prominent one. They took a look. They took a look at a bunch of guys. So keep that in mind. All right. That's it for me. Let's get to it uh, right after this break. My conversation with Scott Jackson, five things that I think, including things about Antonio Gibson, Chase Young, Scott Turner, and more here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. As promised, joining me here. On the podcast, the fans wanted him back. The fans listened to him after each game on the Washington football team uh, post-game show. He is, uh, I don't know if he's officially the voice of ECU basketball, but to me he is. He is Scott Jackson, at Jackson Sports on Twitter. Did, did, I, get, did I get your resume? Wow, that's pretty good. I thought you were introducing Fred Smoot at first when you started talking about the post-game show, but then uh, when you threw in the VCU basketball, I realized you are talking about me. Well, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not – look, I'm, I'm VCU voice to eight to ten games a year when they're not on national TV is pretty much how I look at that. <laughs> so, uh, Masson 2 VCU and Masson 1 VCU voice. How about that? Uh, when, they're, when they're there, I'll usually be with them. Well, 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 good. Well, uh, look, we look forward to that, but I, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to somebody. We're talking on uh, Monday night, the Washington football team practice today. We'll, we'll, right. we'll get into that and, and, and uh, some things in a second, but like somebody I was talking to earlier today, I guess Mark Turgeon had a press conference today because Maryland plays opens the season tomorrow. They're ranked 21st, the opening of the season tomorrow and that they're ranked 21st. Neither of those things that I know, prior to this conversation like an hour ago I, I can't believe how out I am on college basketball I don't know what the deal is I guess it's I, I'll assume it's a me thing but I don't know I, I um I don't think it's just a you thing look it is definitely you know the conferences are confusing um you know what's going on obviously the school I went to is about to join another conference uh the Sunbelt and James Madison's going to Sunbelt as well with Old Dominion. I mean, it's just crazy uh, how it's going. But, yeah, I mean, look, the ratings bear out what you're saying. College basketball, uh, it's not what it used to be. Um, I think the one and done and, you know, the whole, like, forcing guys to go to school thing, you know, didn't really help anybody. And, you know, letting them just go straight pro was probably the better move. Um, you know, kids transfer too much now. I mean, it's it's tough to, to keep track of it. I mean, it's I'll be honest, I think the 
I enjoy doing what I do, which is calling games and all that. I, I just don't, um, I, I don't love it like I used to, though, in terms of like, you know, live and die with the ACC or, you know, whatever the conference may be. I care about, you know, the schools that I cover <laughs> and the people I know in the business that I like. I hope they do well uh, and follow them. But yeah, it's not it's not as um, it doesn't feel, shall we say, as important as it once did, which is which is kind of sad. It's kind of sad because I like basketball uh, at all levels. So I like, you know, calling games, watching games and. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you solve it necessarily either. I, you know, and it's tough, and they're in a tough, it's going to be interesting. You know, Krzyzewski stepping down after this year, Roy Williams is already retired. I mean, you're losing some of the big giants of, of the industry, but you know, I, you know how it is with the players. It just doesn't seem like, um, there's a whole lot of, um, you know, guys don't want to stick it out anywhere anymore and stay in certain places. And I know a lot of people will say, well, the coaches don't have to stay, you know, that's true, but these kids aren't all leaving because coaches are leaving, you know, they're, they're just leaving for the sake of leaving, you know, and they're, they're jumping around to this transfer portal thing. And it's, I don't think it makes things better necessarily. Yeah. No, the transfers, the fact that even thus the conferences are, you know, I mean, you know, Maryland's in the big 10 and the big East, um, is not what it was. And yeah, right. I, I don't know. And also, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just the, 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 the player pool is just not even close no. to what it was. I mean, I, you know, it, it, it's a, this is a whole other topic for another show, but yes, all these is. guys, all these, at least in college football, you know, the guys who are there are playing two and three years, at least like the, the main guys. And we can sure. debate amateurism and what should or shouldn't be allowed or whatever. But in terms of the current rules, that is happening. It helps sustain. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was at Clemson for three yeah. years. We watched his his journey, college basketball. The Trevor Lawrence equivalent is there for like, you know, a handful of 30 games and then he's gone. And now I don't know who's the next big player for Kentucky or Duke or whatever it is. So, um, yeah. Gotcha. Anyway, but anyway, this is your if you if you're like me, college basketball starts, you know, tomorrow or today, depending on what you're listening. So stay, stay, pay attention if you if you care. You got to start you know, March Madness will be here soon enough. Um, all right. Uh, we, we got, I don't know if we have, I don't know if we have November. What, what's the March madness name for November? It, I feel like maybe it's November numbness for Washington right now. <laughs> coming out of the bye week they're yeah. two and six, you know, I don't know. I, 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 it, it's hard to get, it's hard to feel optimistic right now to say the least. I'm not yep. even talking about making the playoffs from there. I just mean the idea of what, what this team can, can achieve considering what, what it hasn't achieved. To, to this point. So I thought as an exercise here, I would, I would sort of rip off Peter King's old bit of uh 10 things I think, and give you five things that I think they okay. are completely random. And I'll let you, uh, and okay. I discuss. don't ask me any Red Sox topics. So I'll get pissed off. If you bring the Red Sox into this, like Peter King, I don't like that. But, but I would remember like there was a lot of coffee talking there. And coffee and beer, coffee and beer. I kind of got into the beer to be honest. I kind of like that. Um, didn't care as much about the coffee because, you know, I, I can find my own coffee. But, you know, it's always good to get a good tip on a beer or two. But, yeah, then it kind of got stupid. And then it's too much Red Sox. And then there was his daughter softball team. It was a big right, deal the for da- a the, da- like, the daughter Come part on, man. Yeah. yeah. The daughter part Nothing against his daughter. We all have kids that, you know, that kids care about our kids. But, you know, the, everybody else probably doesn't. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Which is a good part of your audience. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, so here are some things I think. And then some of these are related okay. to – um, you know, obviously the, the, where they are in the season or perhaps what Ron Rivera had to say on Monday, this one isn't, but this one, so I wrote a story that went up on Monday morning on the athletic about, I decided to evaluate the team halfway through the season, except I didn't evaluate this team. I evaluated the 2022 roster because if okay. we're kind of going with the belief that this season is in some way over from a 
contending standpoint, then the question sure. is what do they have going forward? So obviously there's quarterback. We get that's top of the list. But I was looking at the offense and like Antonio Gibson, right? Look, obviously he's an incredibly dynamic player. Every time he touches the ball, he's a legit threat to make a big play, if not take it all the way to the house. That that play against Buffalo, taking that short catch and the way he you know swerved up, up the field to get in the end zone was probably the best offensive play they had this year, at least, you know, as, a, as, a, as an individual play that said, he's obviously beat up with this, with this uh, shin injury last year, he had a toe issue that, that kept him out a couple games. And I, I kind of feel like the look injuries are tough, but two years in a row, he's been like two years, two years in a row has injuries. He also is not being so great when it comes to yards after contact. And I'll get to that stat in a second. I kind of feel like, you know, J.D. McKissick's a free agent and, and he's like a different role. McKissick, let's just say they keep him. I think if Gibson doesn't perform more consistently down the stretch, I think they may have to consider bringing in another running back next year, not to start, but to give them a give a better version of Peyton Barber, I guess I would say, because I no loss that they let Peyton Barber go. But I think if Gibson can't be a consistent threat in the backfield, no matter that's a, especially if you have a rookie quarterback next year, I think they may have to look to add another running back. So I think these last nine games are interesting for that. What say you on on, on Gibson? Are the injuries just playing too big of a factor? I'm not giving enough war, credit there, or are there other things uh, you think? Well, there it is a factor. I mean, there's no question it's a factor um, for him. But I, I would disagree with you saying it's some uh, thing you have to definitely bring in somebody for because I think you need to find out about Jared Patterson. Because I actually think he can play, um, and he could make your you know make you get a little bit uh, more careful with Gibson. And I thought they were careful with Gibson in the in the uh, Broncos game. I actually thought a few weeks ago they should shut him down for a few weeks and just roll with uh, McKissick and um, and the kid uh, Patterson and see what happened. You know, at that point, you know what was it really? What were you really gaining out of it um, if you couldn't let him finish games? Like I can't remember what the home game was the Chiefs game he didn't finish. But anyway, um, so he played pretty well last week in, in spot duty, but it wasn't it's still not spectacular. He's getting a lot of, he's actually running tougher between the tackles, like stronger, like he's getting tougher yards. He's not as explosive, however, which is which is interesting um to me. But uh, I, I actually like the three backs they have. I, I'm not I, you know, I think again, health has something to do with it, you know, play calling at times has something to do with it. Um you know, score of the game has, has had stuff to do with it as well. Um, the lack of, obviously, uh, great quarterback play, all the, the consistent quarterback play certainly, you know, makes life a little bit tougher with the running backs. But I think overall they've done a pretty good job. So, I, you know, look, you could bring in a running back every year. I mean, you know, there, unless you have, you know, one of the top guys, and even now he's hurt, Derrick Henry, um, you're always looking. I mean, look at the Vikings. They're very deep at the position every year with Alvin Cook. I mean, they always seem to have somebody, you know, Matson's a stud and – when he fills in and whoever. So, yeah, I mean, it's always a position you look to maybe bring somebody in. Um, I don't think you ever pay high on it. Uh, I will say there was one thing I will always agree with Mike Shanahan about. I, I just don't think it's a position you need to overly invest in. I think there are guys, as uh, he proved uh, throughout his career and is being proven around the league, that, that can do it. I mean, it's great that the Titans went out and got Adrian Peterson yesterday. Awesome. He could add more points, you know, more uh, touchdowns to his Hall of Fame career. But if you watch the game, you know he was the third best running back that played yesterday for, for the Titans. And maybe it's just because he's not in shape yet and, and he'll get there. But in terms of the impact on that, on that game last night, I, didn't, I thought he was the least impactful of the three guys. So, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, and I agree with, with a lot of what you said. I mean, including Jared Patterson, I not being the skilled uh, host like you, 
I, I have all these things I want to say, but I'm like, I can't talk for three minutes and then not let the <laughs> guests talk. So I cut myself off there. Yeah, look, I think this is also if Jared Patterson over these last nine games can, yeah. you know, can show Joe that can he can be it, a real a, a, a real thing, then yeah, then then that at least sort of solves that problem. But I guess my larger point, however you want to look at it, and I'm with you, I would never dra- I would never use a high draft pick right. on a running back, and I'm not saying they need to go ahead and sign a major name. I just mean using Patterson last week or the Denver game for the first time um, in a real significant way was both a nod to, I think Gibson's limitations. He only had, I think 11 touches in the game. He's clearly uh, not, not close to being hundred percent. And you have to wonder at some point whether they shut him down, but even if that's the case, you know, Patterson running between the tackles, is that something you feel legitimately good about going forward? And maybe they will by the end of the yeah. year. I guess my larger point is, that if a Gibson McKissick combination, you might think, well, that's you, you, those are your two guys. That's good. Maybe that's true, but I just think with Gibson, and here's the stat that I uh, uh, th- that I that I mentioned in the story. Um, so first of all, there's a if if you go to uh, if you go to the story, there's a, a stat in there that I, for, on a tweet I used from Seth Walder from ESPN that shows um, he has this m- metric called. Uh, block adjusted rushing where he, he has a model that yeah. predicts the run, the rush yards in every run based on, on, on who, on which the linemen are winning uh, at, uh, in their battles, defenders in the box down a distance and so on. And Antonio Gibson is basically the worst at uh, this year in terms of getting yards based on what's there. Now, all the, it, all the offensive linemen are really winning their battles this year. Charles Leno, Chase Rie and Wes Schweitzer were both leading their respective positions in, in, in this uh, win rate at center and guard. And Leno's been good and flowers and so on. So I think that some, a lot of that is Gibson's beat up. However, last year, according to football outsiders, Gibson only averaged 1.95 yards after contact that ranked third worst among running backs, with at least hundred carries. This year, it's even lower, 1.795, which is 20th among 24 backs of the least 75 carries. So he is a converted receiver. He's not a natural running back. He's clearly learning the position, which is fine. And like I said, there's a ton of to like about it. But at the same point, you know, one issue they have is sustaining drives. And, you know, you got to be a little more consistent. So, again, I'm not saying – He's bad. We need to get. We we, right. we need to consider them for them to bring in another running back or anything along those lines. I mean, another starter. I'm just saying. I think for these last nine games, that may be something to keep an eye on, or at least in my head, as to what are they going to get out of Gibson and can they feel good enough about the run game if he's the lead solo. I'd really like to go back now to see how they. Do. I would love to sit with these guys who do this stuff. Was oh after contact or who who won the, who won their battle and, sure. and whatnot because it sure seems like there's a lot of no hitters uh, still on this team where guys get cut down in the backfield and don't have a chance for the play to develop. Um, that being said, Patterson had one run last week for one yard that I thought was the best run they've had all year because he should have lost six yards on it or five yards or whatever the hell I just guesstimated looking at it you know live. But I also remember a lot of times that Gibson's moving the pile and he's, his legs are churning and, the, and it keeps moving. I don't know if that's considered after contact or not because maybe I guess they're not getting to him. I don't know because he's carrying them along. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they measure that. Or did he lose 10 yards earlier on a first contact that takes away the average of that? But uh, to me, yeah, I mean, he, he, does he still need to learn how to which hole to hit and all that stuff? And he's not as explosive as he was last year because of the injury. Absolutely. But in terms of, I don't know, man, in terms of like keeping the legs churning and sometimes where it looks like it's a, 
It's not a pretty run necessarily, but it's effective to get like three to four or four to five. It seems like he's running, he's running and pulling some people along with him. I, maybe that's not considered after contact. I don't know. If you just hold on to a jersey, I'm not really sure how these guys do this stuff, but it's interesting. Um, I'd like to know what people actually who who evaluate for for real for real think of these 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 metrics that we in the media get really excited about. We we do get excited because they put and they put. I think the offensive line stuff is bad, but sometimes, to be honest sure. with you. Because, well, I mean, they, 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 some of the guys that they have graded highly here have not played highly. Sure. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. So, I, In the past, I've been told by people in the industry, like when it comes to pro football focus, mm-hmm. which a site that I use and a site that I've mentioned, yep. and I, yep. I had one of their salary cap analysts uh, mm-hmm. quoted in my story, so I'm not condemning yep. it. But sure, I've had yeah, people yeah. tell me that when it comes to the offensive line and the secondary – tread lightly yeah. on their grades because it's hard yeah. to know exactly hard to know. what the calls yeah. are and, and things along yeah. those lines. So in any event, I, 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 lastly on Gibson, um, again, he's clearly hurt this year, but like one of sure. the things that was exciting about Gibson was this former receiver. He's going to yeah. come in and be a guy that can also catch passes. You know, he has 144 receiving yards this year. 73 came on that one play in Buffalo. Yeah. He's not been, he's catching like one or two passes <clears> a game. He's not really been a threat in that regard. They don't really so, throw the ball either though, by the way. Well, for whatever it is, I'm just yeah. saying. And they're not a good screen team. Outside of the one screen that they ran perfectly in Buffalo, they haven't run another good one since. Um, you know, and maybe part of that is because of his health or they're trying to keep him away from it. Now, on the other hand, the other running back, McKissick's been terrific, obviously, as a receiver. When they use him, and usually the games they play best in, McKissick's a big part of the offense, and they still haven't been able to really find the balance, in my opinion, um, of the two of them outside of maybe the Atlanta game where they won. And I guess so to some degree in that uh, Giants game. I, I can't remember what Antonio's numbers ended up being, but he, I think I remember there was a pretty effective stretch of that game for him. It's just, you know, like all of it, it's just not consistent enough. Yeah. I mean, it feels like with McKissick in particular, like they, he's clearly has his numbers are down from where they were a year ago. And there's a lot of reasons for that, including you don't have his, uh, this quarterback is not, well, every, he, even if he throws underneath, underneath, he's not throwing underneath as much. It doesn't feel like as the, what they had last year. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to get. Either way, McKissick's a free agent at the end of the year. They, they, even if they bring him back, I just do wonder, you know, the third running right. back. And again, if they lean into a uh, rookie quarterback, if that's where the offseason goes, I think you really need to shore up the run game and you need to make sure you have consistency there. So something, uh, at least I'll, in my head, yeah. I'll be keeping an eye on the rest of the way. Now, staying with the offense. Uh, so Ron Rivera, before the bye week, said he was going to take the bye week to look re- review a lot of different things, personnel, scheme, what have you. So he was asked generically today uh, about what you what what you what you find. Well, you mm-hmm. know what you what you do. And here's one thing that he he said. Um, this is a little bit of a long quote, so hang with me here. Okay. Quote: Well, there are some things that can help us in in third down situations. We've got to be a little bit better on first and second downs he's talking about the offense here just to be sure clear, because I know we talk oh, about yeah. the defense mostly. Or I said the offense, whatever. All right. Back to the quote. We had way too many third and shorts. And by that, I mean, third and two to, to three to, or two to four, that's going to allow for a lot of conversions. Um, However, then he goes on. We've got to do better at that on our first and second downs. Uh, offensively, for whatever the reason we have this tendency as we're driving along and get into a second and short situation to miss the opportunity to convert. And a couple of it is, uh, quote, inside quote, I guess, 
hey, that's when we take our shot, obviously. Now, a couple of the, a couple just missed opportunities we had. So those are the little detail things that would help us continue to sustain the drives. So basically, just to clean that up a little bit, they get to like he he's saying they get to like second and three, second and mm-hmm. two, and their their tendency may be to go downfield. Which, sure. by the way, as when I call, would play Madden, that was always mm-hmm. my move. Sure, so I always went does. for it. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. go for it. Most you know? teams do it. Yeah, and he's saying maybe we need to dial that back. And my what I read this was. I, I was trying to figure out. It's not. This is not about. It's not a blame game. But I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out what. Who is he talking about here? Is he right. talking more about the quarterback, which would be the the, the certain logical sure. conclusion because he typically is going to speak about players. And obviously Taylor Heineke, we know, has got a right. that, that that Farvian streak in him where he's willing to take be aggressive. But I was also wondering, is he maybe on some level talking about the play calling? Sure, could be Heineke, talking about both. Because yeah. he, Heineke is not calling. He, you know, he's presumably not audibly out of the play to throw a bomb down the field or whatever the scenario might be. So, again, it's always a combination of things. But I thought this was interesting. Of all the things he brought up, when it could have he could have picked on anything he wanted. Sure. He'd, for what it's worth, he'd already been asked about Chase Young and, and sure. Montez Sweat. But in any event, yeah. that's what he came up with. So what did you make of that quote, both in terms of just that that's where he's up head went and also the idea of is he looking at it more from the play calling or the player? Um, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, and I think in the case of Heineke, it, it would probably, probably be a little bit about, you know, Turner getting with him and saying, Hey, here's, here's what we want to do there. You know, here's your first read, here's your first option, what have you, and then call them place that are a little bit more safer to get them the first down. But at the same time, you know, we're sitting here complaining and bemoaning, Hey, where's the big plays in this offense? Well, where, when are you going to take the shot then? Are you going to take it on, you know, <laughs> third and 10. I mean, no, you're not. I mean, you're going to get your, you're going to get, you know, you don't have time. You got to you get rid of the football. You do it on first down. I mean, so I, I don't know what to really make of it. I'd like to know more details about it. Um, I'll be honest with you. When he said what he said before the bye week, it's just kind of like, I kind of, my eyes rolled back in my head. This is what all coaches say. They're all going to evaluate everything. Look at everything. It's our time to self scout, blah, 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 blah. We have this extra time. Um, and you know, they all do it uh, to some degree and they'll have a wrinkle, hopefully that works when they come out of it and they don't look crappy. Now I'll say this to, to Ron Rivera's credit. I mean, his teams have usually been better, uh, as the season goes on in this time of year. So we'll see what they come up with. Um, we'll see what the third down percentages of this weekend. We'll see if they have more first downs. Um, quite frankly, moving the football hasn't been a problem. It's the red zone that I would like to have. More, I'm more interested in finding out. And what's more important to me, interesting and important, Ben, uh, is what happens in the red zone, because that is the problem for this team. Over these last two weeks in particular, it's this movement, you know, between the 20s, the 30s, whatever. And they get in the red zone and they just come up with some of the stupidest things, um, you know, and you know, the fourth and one last week, I, I hated the play, but also after rewatching it a few times, hated the way the quarterback handled it. I mean, he held the ball forever. It's like, dude, you got to pull the trigger on that, right? When he rubs open, I mean, what are you waiting on? That granted, it looked like Ricky Seals Jones is a good yard and a half short anyway, which was weird since it was like fourth and one. <laughs> it didn't look like he was anywhere near the marker, but maybe if he gets it quicker, he could turn his shoulders upfield to get the first down. But I mean, that first drive kind of, to me, set the tone on how this team plays in the red zone all the time, you know? Just stupid. Yeah. You know, they just, I, you just can't you can't get out of their own way. Granted, by the way, and I think a week removed from that game against Denver, you kind of see Denver's got a really damn good defense. And uh they just went down there with the Cowboys ass in, in uh, granted, I it wasn't in Dallas, right? It was hard to tell 
watching it on TV because there were so many Bronco fans there, but I'm pretty sure it was Dallas. But anyway, point being is that's that maybe they're better than we think they are, you know, in terms of what their defense. And that game was without Von Miller there too. He didn't play, obviously he's been traded. So, you know, good for them, but uh, you know, that's a much better offense too, that they shut down. I wasn't shutting down, you know, Taylor Heineke and uh, a bunch of uh, injured receivers that was shutting down Dak Prescott, you know, maybe your league MVP, Ezekiel Elliott, Star, you know, C.D. Lamb's having an amazing year. I mean, they're already picked to win the Super Bowl, I think, by everybody and their mother. Um, and, you know, the Broncos went in there and just whipped their ass up and down the field yesterday, and it started with the defense. Impressive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last week um, in the various podcasts I did, I kind of ranted about the red zone, but not in the same way yeah. you're doing, in the sense of, you know, they're missing so many pieces Clearly, they're struggling in the red zone, but I think we, you know, sometimes we, it feels like Heineke is the starter when the reality is he's still this guy who's, you know, yeah, he's, uh, not, he's a backup quarterback in the league. Right. right. And the more time a backup quarterback is playing, he's going to get sure. more exposed. And, and plus, right. no Logan Thomas, he's missing other players and so on. Um, so, you know, I kind of took it as, you know, look, it's, it's a problem. But I do wonder to, to your, to this point, though, when you have all these pieces missing, does the idea of, of going deep, and and I'll be honest, I have not looked up the stats. I sure. only thought about this right before we came on, so I haven't looked this right. up. But like the idea of go, like maybe maybe the smarter call from the coordinator is, hey, we're missing a lot of pieces. We have right. this guy in Heineke. Maybe the smarter was just get the first down, move the keep moving the ball without with ease. And look, they have been able to move the ball the last two games. They just haven't been able to convert, so they're doing something right. Um, which is kind of why I was a little surprised that Ron Rivera made the comment that he made is that 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 was where his head went. But either way. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, but it, actually, those are the plays they scored on, right? The outside of the red zone, the plays to McLaurin, the big pass plays, the big one to to um, Isaiah, not Isaiah Wright. What, what am I talking about? Isaiah Wright two years ago. Uh, to um, last week, who scored the touchdown? DeAndre the Carter. DeAndre Carter. Thank you. Uh, anyway, scores the touchdown there. So they've scored outside the red zone in that regard. And look, they, I mean, Chris Collinsworth loves to do this on Sunday night. Football. Oh my God, it's so hard when you get the red zone. Oh my God, there's so many people in there. It's so difficult. Nobody's good at it, but yet there are teams that are really good at it. But I understand what he's saying. And yeah, you got a shorter quarterback. You got, you know, a guy who um, I think teams have kind of figured out where he likes to run, where the run lanes are for him. They're kind of clogging it up. Denver did a good job with that, I think, uh, on him uh, last week. So yeah, it's, you know, that's why it's important when you're in there, you know, when you're at the half yard line to actually run through the line, you know, and, and <laughs> small little details like that. And the other thing that, that this team's dealing with is they obviously have no trust in their field goal kickers. Uh, they didn't trust the first guy who they ended up releasing. And then the second guy can't get the ball over the line of scrimmage all the time. So, I mean, that's a, kind of a big deal uh, when you're, when you're, when you're getting down in that area and you're trying to score points. So kind of changes your philosophy a little bit on how you call plays and when you go for it on fourth down. So, uh, I mean, look, it's, it's not pretty um, any way you look at it, but yeah, I mean, you know, interesting what he says, what, 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 what will the change be? Will there be anything different about it this week? You know, we'll see. I mean, so I guess he's saying they need to have 20 play drives. I don't know, 18 play drives. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, if that's if that's a formula that's going to work, to be honest with you, again, because because once they get the red area, they stall out. So, yeah, yeah, uh, for 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 sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, and, and for what it's worth, um, you know, we'll see what what play what players they got back. I mean, sure. as much as I keep saying Heineke's not the answer, and I don't think anybody thinks that he is. It would be interesting to see what happens if they actually have their some version of their actual starting lineup in there. They've sure. never had a Curtis Samuel all year. 
that they, they, they've been missing two Logan starters. Logan Thomas now. would be really helpful. They've been missing him since what week four, right? Is that week yeah. four? Yeah, week four. Right. Week, week four is when everything fell apart. That was yeah. all the injuries and the DEA investigation dropped all at the yeah. same time. And since then, you know, they obviously haven't even won a game. So um, it, it would be interesting. What's to the see. DEA going to make an arrest, by the way? What, what the hell are they doing? Um, just throwing I, that out there, just in the atmosphere. Just curious. I mean, it's weird. Like they made this big production. They woo. We wouldn't got into you know, the Washington football team trainer, uh, you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, and he's not in jail, right? He's not been charged. Um, they haven't said squat about what happened. I mean, what what are they doing? Are they? I mean, is it just a big lawyer fest now, or is it? Are they looking for a bigger person? I mean, I, it's weird to me. I mean, they made such a big deal about it to come up with nothing so far. Strange. I hope my taxpayer dollars aren't paying for this, Ben. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's your state. My 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 state blows money on other on other things. Yeah, it's in my county too. So, jeez, I probably am paying for it twice. Oh well, that'd be great. Then, then, then you should really ask some questions. Yeah, I would like some answers. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna press charges, let's do it. Come on. <laughs> um. All right. Here's my here's my third thing. So, yeah. uh, Montez Sweat is out four to six weeks with Oof. this uh, a hairline fracture in his jaw. Right. Um, huge bummer for him. He was at practice today riding a bike. I guess that's what we'll be seeing him doing yeah. going forward. And obviously that's ice gonna, cream. All right. It's going to put even more attention on Chase Young and we'll get to him in a minute. But, you know, it, 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 it also opens up playing time for other people. And, you know, part of what I mentioned before with Gibson was the idea of like, OK, it's not just what's happening now. It's by the end of the year. What do we think are some needs or things that this team may improve, need to improve on? Well, I think the the, the backup defensive end to Chase Young and Montez Sweat is something to look at. James Smith-Williams had a sack in the Denver game, but by and large, uh, you know, it, to my eye, he's not been a huge factor. Um, when Ron Rivera has some complaints he's about – He's many sacks as Chase Young, correct? I believe that's correct. Okay. I'm just wondering, he plays fewer snaps. I actually think James Smith-Williams has been really good. Well, okay. I, so- I actually think at times I'm like, wow, he's still on the field. That's interesting and important, I guess. And, you know, he plays a lot in, you know, Shaka Tony will get to play now, I would imagine. Um, my man, uh, Ru- Rudy, uh, what is it, Rutimi, Rutimi from ODU, maybe you get in there. He's got a, I think he also has a sack this year. He does. So he's right next to Chase Young as well. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I find it fascinating. Casey Tuhill has gotten the run he's got and some of these other guys. I mean, you know, when you have these two first-round studs that, you know, have Dolman and Millard, you know, sleepless wherever they are retired now. But, you know, yet these guys, um, you know, still get still get in the rotation every once in a while. It's interesting. There's, there, there's nothing better than uh, Scott on the attack. I love it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my, I guess my point is, so, okay, so well, to me, like I, I would, when I would look at some film, I saw James with Lynn being out of position at times, which again, is not, I'm not, this mm-hmm. is, yeah. Same thing with the other with the other two guys, Chase yeah. in particular. So I'm not saying that, but but I guess my point is like for the next four weeks at least, the team yeah. he's going to get more run along with two hill, yep. Taka Tony, whoever else. Yep. And this is an opportunity one to determine, hey, do we really have legitimate defensive end depth? And two, this is a much bigger ask. So I'm not suggesting it could be, but the constant question of at least in my head, at least in this house, is. Do they this offseason look to move either Montez Sweat or Duran Payne? Because the idea of paying all four defensive linemen extensions to me seems a bit off. The more I talk to people around the league, doesn't it? It's it just it's hard to justify to do that, especially by the way, if they're not performing at a really high level that makes you right. think we have to keep them. And I, you know, if James Smith Williams, these others show enough, 
maybe then it's something to consider. But more to the point, do they have a legitimate piece there? And my real question to you is, it doesn't have to be those guys. It could be somebody else. Over these last eight or nine games with the idea of they're going to see keep playing and try to win, but with the idea of what do you have going forward, what's a player out there that you kind of hope maybe we get to see play more that will – could 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 therefore help you say, hey, I think next year they kind of actually do have something like, you know, I mean, Cameron Curl had already been established a little bit yeah. at this point. But you know, what I mean, we, we got to see him move forward. Who who else? It could be one of these guys or it could be somebody else. Who, well, I, I mentioned him earlier, Patterson. I, I've been I've been saying Patterson all along. I mean, I said it in the preseason when people were trying to worry about cutting, you know, um, um, Barber. Peyton I was Barber, like, right. Peyton, I'm gonna say Marion Barber. You know, I was like, I do that on. all the time. I do that uh, all the time. <laughs> Yeah, or Sean Barber. Anyway, uh, but no, I was like, no, this kid, he could handle it. He could he could be a running back. He's a running he's a running back by trade. He's not converting into it. He's a real running back. Look at his body type. I mean, he's ridiculous. He's thick. He, yeah, so what he played at Buffalo, it doesn't matter. He's He, he can handle it if you gave him the chance. Rookie backs do it all the time in the league. So anyway, uh, he's a guy I obviously want to see. Uh, I'm interested to see Shaka Tony. I mean, I, I think he's he's shown me some things. Uh, you know, I, I think he's he got, he got an interesting uh, skill set. I would like to see him. You know, now with this opportunity, with James Smith Williams, who I've already seen quite a bit of, uh, and the secondary, are they going to? Are they going to? What's going to happen with Forrest? Is he going to be active? Um, you know, at some point, is he going to be off the injured list? Is he going to get to play? I mean, you know, there's, you know, you're talking about life after next year. What's life look like without Landon Collins? Because I think that's probably where we're headed. So who's the other safety back there, and how do they play together? Right? You know, is it? Are you just fine with with Bobby McCain? You know, I don't know. Maybe they are. Uh, you know, and how, how are they going to do that? And are they ever going to get another linebacker that can actually be a linebacker that stays in the field? Um, or are they going to have to keep running this hybrid thing, which I imagine they're going to have to because they just don't have the people right now uh, for this season. So I guess those those are the kind of things. Um, you know, defensively, you know, I, I like the front still. I mean, they've been disappointing, um, with, you know, with the sack numbers, obviously. But I've I mean, I think overall they're still they still got talent there. I think the bigger issue has been linebacker um, when they when they didn't know what everybody else knew, which was Landon Collins is not going to be able to play with Cam Curl in the traditional sense. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody who covered this team at training camp asked that question to the defensive coordinator and the head coach at one point, and I know a lot of you guys got kind of looked at like you were dummies for asking it. Like, of course they can play together. I mean, I, that was the kind of the, the the attitude I was catching was, you know, watching these pressers and read the quotes. It was like, of course, you know, of course we, we know they can play together. Really? No, because the, the guy, Elena Collins, hasn't been able to cover anybody for a long time. You know, I mean, this is he's better at line of scrimmage. Everybody knows this. This is why the Giants moved him. I mean, we weren't afraid to lose him in the division. I mean, this has just been known for a long time. And the fact that it took – as many weeks as it did is kind of shocking, quite frankly, that, that it took that long to figure out where he needed to be. And look, he's played really well the last few weeks, which is good because they need him to. I mean, they got no other options, really. Yeah. No, and, and I position. Think, yeah, for sure. And I think that look, the, the secondary has a lot of questions. I don't just mean because they are struggling to, to this point, but in terms of like looking forward, there's obviously the William Jackson thing. He missed the last two games with yeah. his knee injury, which Rivera said today He's that there was a bit of an issue he had during camp. It flared up the last couple of weeks, and that's what's kind of led to this. And he didn't say that that led to some of his problems, but we can maybe maybe he wasn't as healthy as, mm-hmm. as we were assuming. But in terms of the safeties, I mean, I'm going to assume that Landon Collins is not brought back, that they'll that, that, that they right. save a little over six million dollars. Uh, 
next year on the cap there's like a nine million dollar hit but they save six so i would imagine he's gone but mccain's also a free agent and frankly we still don't even know what position cameron curl is i assume strong safety but like they kind of move him around so i do think that's something to keep an eye on um for sure so those are some good names the best by the way the best combination they had last year was was reeves and curl and reeves is obviously still here he's a practice squad i don't know if we'll get it if he'll get another chance to play again hopefully he will but you know, he, he was good. I mean, he, he was, he was, he played well. And, you know, I know it's not sexy to just roll out the same thing, but, you know, they played well together. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, look, I think uh, the larger point is whether you're talking about Jeremy Reeves or I don't know if you've mentioned Dax Milne at receiver, like yeah. the, at some point, I'm not saying today, but at some point you got to start saying, okay, what's the 2022 right. situation kind of look like. Um, and if that means less say of a Landon Collins, um, and and more of somebody else or yeah. you know, less Adam Humphreys, I think that's something you've got to um, consider. Now, one guy there's going to be more of, if that's conceivable, over these next uh, few weeks is going to be Chase Young, and that's more snaps, presumably, because mm-hmm. Montez went down, right. but also more, even more scrutiny, I guess, or more sure. attention. I mean, people are obviously always paying attention to Chase Young, but now I think it's even more so because you don't have that other guy. Um Ron Rivera on last week spoke to uh, his own website and, you know, for weeks he's been talking about discipline mm-hmm. and maturity issues. And I've said here many times, if you, based on my, my interpretation of everything, if you had to boil it down to one player, <laughs> yeah. he's talking about Chase Young and probably yep. Montez Sweat as well. And effectively that was, is true because that's what he said more essentially with to, to, to the website last week and kind of said he needs more consistency and urgency out of them from, you know, start to finish basically. So today he was asked about that um, as well. And, and kind of asked like what, based on like those comments and what he was watching on tape, you know, kind of what does he need to see? Just here's a couple quick things. He said, he says, quote, I'd like to see him play a little bit more attention on the chipper, the chip locks, mm-hmm. just knowing that there's a guy there. Hey, I'd love to see him run through that guy a few more times and kind of set the tone and tempo instead of reacting to him a little bit, a little too much. He also later said Rivera said that like Chase Young sometimes is like he's diving inside too much on his ru- on his pass rushes, which is opening up lanes on the outside. And like I'm not a film expert, but w- even when I'm watching some stuff, you can kind of kind yeah. of see that. And so I guess look, obviously Chase Young is not going anywhere, and he's still a very talented player. Rivera said that he's working. Ve- Chase Young's working very hard. He has no issues. Dead with his effort or things like that. But I, I do think, like, when we talk about this team and why the expectations have not been met, I'm not even talking about the record. I'm just saying mm-hmm. they haven't had one game this year where you thought, wow, this team was really good. Sometimes the other team's going to win. They have, like, the you know the Ravens and Vikings yesterday, right? Somebody had to lose that game. Sure. They haven't had one game like that. And for the defense specifically, forget one game where they've looked got dominant. There hasn't been a half. There hasn't been a quarter. There's barely even drives where you're like, look at this. And I feel like a lot of it does come to Chase Young. So I feel like the scrutiny on him, as I said, is going to be even more here going forward, especially without Montez Sweat. And I do think how we're going to view this team next year, I think a lot will depend on how Chase Young finishes uh, this campaign. No question. No question. Um, You know, look, those who are are given a lot are expected a lot. You know, Peter Parker's uncle said that. and um, (laughs) Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben, right. So I think that you, you look at him and I think his scrutiny is deserved. Um, he brought a lot of this on himself with some of the proclamations in the preseason. Um, and he was very good his rookie season. There's no question about it. And he's not now delivered the goods this year. You know, can he turn around? Absolutely he can turn around. Um, I did think it was um, fascinating to hear 
Coach Mills last week bring up Ryan Kerrigan's name several times um, when he met with the media. Was that before the Denver game, I guess? Yeah, before the Denver game, the position. Yeah. So talked about how they missed Ryan Kerrigan in the locker room. Um, yeah, leadership, also what Kerrigan brought in the rotation. Kerrigan played as little as he's ever played his entire career here last season before he left. And I'm not saying they should have moved heaven and earth to keep him or anything like that, or even if he would have stayed, he didn't want, you know, he didn't want to play as a bit role player, but it does show you that that void has not been filled. Those guys are still, again, despite the draft position, young players in the league, you know, Montez kind of went through the humbling his first year, I thought was really good last year. Um, you know, as, you know, as the year went on in particular, and, you know, I think, you know, Chase said, you know, wasn't healthy in the beginning of the season. And when he got healthier, he was obviously more impactful as the season went on. But, you know, this year, I mean, you know, people have seen him. They know what he likes to do, know what he's not good at. Uh, and he's talked enough about the chipping that that you're, you're like, wow, if I'm a team and I'm getting ready for them and you're seeing it on film and you hear the comments, you know, you know, you don't think, I mean, look, man, all these guys that are badass, I mean, the Washington Redskins developed an entire blocking scheme to try to stop Lawrence Taylor. And guess what? It still didn't work that much. <laughs> they won Super Bowls back then. And that guy was the most disruptive SOB <laughs> there ever was. I mean, he was incredible. But this is what happens in the league. When you get a reputation, you get good. I mean, they try to take you away and they're going to try to limit you. And that's what they've done. And they've done a great job. And he just hasn't been able to produce the counter move yet. I hope he's got it at some point. I hope we can see it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I feel like that he's, it's going to happen any of these weeks that he's going to, you know, make impactful plays and, you know, just be more consistent. Like Ron Rivera said, even like you just sell for consistent. I mean, at this, at this point with this defense, this many games in, what are they ranked now? 30, what, 31, 32. You can't go any lower than 32, right? Um, so they're, they're in those ranges, right? I, I would settle for 20s. Like if you could move up to the 20th spot, uh, you might have a chance to win some games down the stretch. I mean, that's really where it's at now. I mean, you know, clearly the idea of them being, you know, the 2000 Ravens or the 85 Bears is out the window. I mean, that's not happening. Uh, so we'll just settle for mediocre um, and, you know, kind of consistent. Take away the big plays. I think they've kind of done that the last few weeks. Look, they've limited the big plays. Um, have they come up with game-changing plays? No. I mean, they had a chance to early in the game. McCain had it in his hands and started running with it. You know, I mean, those are the kind of things that you just come back and you look at the little things when you lose the game that drives you crazy. You know, late in the game, the Broncos tried to give it to him. I guess you credit our, you know, credit the defense for that, for making that happen. But, you know, they still have not been able to, you know, get those knots, you know, as they, the Alabama guys know what that is, that they need some knots in games because this offense is, you know, the struggle bus. So um, they haven't been able to produce it despite all the, all the hoopla. Right. I mean, and just uh, just looking up some of the basic stats, uh, they are 29th in points allowed and yards allowed and dead last in Oof. passing yards allowed. Yeah. Uh, so, Thank yeah, you. a lot to work on there. And I guess I would just like add to Chase Young. I always make the Wizards analogies, so sure. forgive me. But like I, the, the more I cover Chase Young, the more I see some John Wall parallels. There's a lot of natural athleticism um there and there's a lot of skill you know there's a lot of reason to be excited mm -hmm. game changer playmaker all these things but there's also yep. you know the idea of being a leader and a captain isn't just you get to wear the c and go out there mm -hmm. for a coin toss there's also how do you conduct your own business and i think that was something that john wall struggled with we talked about it a sure. lot he often came into training training camp out of shape I, I think chase look chase young is definitely i think in shape i'm not arguing that but like he did miss some of the uh you know, off-season workouts, and we're go and when you come into the season, 
you can't be the guy that the coach is hinting at and now stating is lacking some maturity and discipline if you're going to be this leader. He's also yeah. probably shouldn't be the captain. Let's just be real. One of the captains, he's, what is he, 22? What does yeah. he know? And I don't mean that nicely. I, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know squat at that. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. grown men in that room. They don't, uh, to be a leader, like, you can be young and be a leader, but at the same point, your actions have to match. And it's not just about getting out for the quarterback. It's how you conduct your business overall. So, you know, look, he's, again, Chase Young's obviously a very talented guy. There's reasons to be optimistic about a lot of stuff. And even in this year where we're sort of bashing him a bit, he's been fine. He just hasn't been the guy who was the reigning defensive rookie of the year, taking it to another step. And I think, like I said, John Allen's had a really good year. You've got Jerron Payne. You've got some other pieces. Montez Sweat will be back. But how Chase Young finishes, I think, is going to go a long way towards determining how we feel, not just about him, obviously, but about this group and their upside Yeah, um, going forward. Um, no, I'm with you. I think it's a big, it's big for all of them down, around the, down the stretch here. All right, last thing about down the stretch, and then I have to let Scott get back to his sure. life. Last year early on, Ron Rivera kind of went out of his way at multiple times to talk the, about the playoffs, about mm-hmm. the idea that this team could make it. Yeah. And we laughed and laughed sure did. because you got to be kidding me, right? Yeah. Ron, we know you're the new guy, but come on. Yeah. That's what do you, what what are we talking about here? You guys aren't very good. But right. he pro- he correctly identified that the actual the rest of the division was pretty terrible and mm-hmm. why not them? And obviously the way things broke, that happened. Now this year the, the division seems to be out of reach. Dallas even with the with the crazy loss yesterday to Denver is still I think what 6 and 2. So they're way ahead of yeah, Washington. They're way ahead of everybody. And, and all that. But when you look at the wild card situation, Atlanta of all teams is the current seventh team at four and four. Uh, bizarre that that's the case. And everybody in between four and four of them and Washington, which is all the teams but one, because only Detroit at the winless Lions have a worse mm-hmm. record than Washington right now in the NFC. All those other teams are under 500, I believe. So, therefore, my point is that Washington is only like they're two games behind Atlanta, and there's a ton of teams in between. So, I'm not remotely suggesting we should be talking at the playoffs. In fact, I'm not suggesting that at all. <laughs> but what I am noting is that Ron Rivera has definitely not thrown in the towel. He definitely talks. He's, he believes in his team and all that. And I believe that he does. He is not mentioning any of this at all. He is not saying coming out of the break. At yeah. least he didn't today. You know, if we string together a couple games. We could be in the playoffs. I don't believe he said that at least unless I forgot. Right. It. And my only point to mention this is, when you see what the coach says, that's why I like asking sort of open-ended questions sometimes. Mm-hmm. You see where his head at, and I think his head's at that he kind of understands where this group is. And whereas last year, even with Dwayne Haskins and all that, he he saw reason to to talk a playoff. He's yeah. not doing that this time. No, and, and I don't blame him. I mean, I would I would go Jim Mora on him, quite frankly, if you did. Um, you know, playoffs, you got to be kidding me. You got to win a game. But yeah, I mean, it, it, look, it, you're staring down Tom Brady, who lost prior to the bye week, um, coming out of the bye week, and they're going to be pissy, um, <laughs> you know, and they're really good anyway. Even if they weren't pissy, they're really good. So I, I understand it, and why, why would you? And by the way, here's the other bad news that came out today. Russell Wilson's coming back this week. So that means he'll be playing Monday night um, when this team plays after Thanksgiving. Um, here at you know at FedEx Field, so that game that some people are trying to say oh, suddenly was a winnable game, you know you're going to be an underdog in there that one as well. So yeah, I mean look, 
right now he's got a he's playing with a backup quarterback. I mean, at least last year when he made those comments, he felt like he had the better quarterback still in this back pocket, right? Had a couple better options at quarterback than than the guy that was playing. Whereas now I think he he understands there's not a whole lot he can do to to fix that. Um and you know that so they are who they are and they got injuries and maybe if they come back and get healthy, maybe in a couple of weeks he'll change his tune. Uh, a lot of crazy things just happened in the last, you know, week eight, maybe if in week nine, you know, they're able to shock the world and beat the Buccaneers. Maybe he starts talking about that. But I would even then I wouldn't do it if I was him. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I would just say it's one game. Let's see if we show up in the following week, because, I mean, we've seen this happen over and over with this franchise and with this team. Right. And look, what he tells us out in the media is irrelevant to what he ever said sure. to the players. I think we I think sometimes right. even us in the media, we act like what he's saying is, oh, the people, right? yeah. yeah, you know, the players aren't yeah. half of them aren't even paying attention, and it's right, not that right. relevant. But at the same point, he is trying to send a message, even if it's to to them and to the rest of us and the fans, all that. And he's not talking about that, which again, I wonder on some some level, does he think to himself, you know what? Look, last year in a week span of time, we we won the NFC East and then gave Tampa Bay a reasonable shot in the playoffs. Yeah. And from that, expectations went sky high, and we ended up with a first place schedule and both of those things have to some degree played a role in what's going on this year. Not completely, but yeah, maybe and so I think I, maybe more so too, this Dallas is really loaded. I mean, Dallas is, you know, they, they got Dak is healthy. You know, if Dak hadn't gone down last year, maybe he never says that. Right. I mean, seriously. I mean, at that point, uh, Dak Prescott doesn't get hurt. Maybe we're never happy. You know, obviously sure. it wouldn't happen, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. So, he just saw the opening. He saw Philadelphia was off the rails early, the Giants as well. But you're not seeing it this year. Actually, you know, quietly, the Giants sneakily have been playing better football lately and, you know, got a win yesterday. I don't think a lot of people had written down for them. Well, so. And so, I mean, so have the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, they I mean, yeah, the not, Eagles are competitive every game. I mean, lose not the beating the Lions two weeks ago was a big, right. big deal, but, but the Lions have been competitive them. and yeah. they, they yeah, crushed they them. Killed them. And then this week, souls. yeah, they, they were down to the. Uh, down to the buzzer against yeah, the, the Chargers. Chargers. They had a chance against the Chargers. This this team, you know, sort of did, sort of did. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's just sort of – and look, I think it's a reasonable thing. I think the worst thing for this team on some level would be winning four games down the stretch enough to not sniff the playoffs yet mm-hmm. be, be take yourself out of the contention of, you know, it's not that you have to have a top – five or 10 pick to get the, to get a quarterback. It's to say the higher pick you are, the more leverage you have when it comes to all options, whether it's a, a, Potentially, a, yeah. a, a pick or a trade or whatever. And I, you know, so I don't know. It's, I just think it's interesting to note where his brain seems to be at because he's not mentioned these things. And regardless of why, I think it's a reasonable assumption. This team has yeah. not shown the ability to, I, it would be surprising to me to see them wanting to string some, be able to string some things together. Um, and yeah. I, I think his comments kind of reflect as much. Um, all right. I need to let you get back to your life. Well, thank you. <laughs> anything, <laughs> But this is fun. Always fun talking. To you. Anything you, uh, you I mentioned a few things at the top. Anything else we need to know about promote um, uh, Sunday after the, the game, no matter how how it how it goes. I'll be there with Fred Smoot. Uh, from FedEx Field, um, and locally, calls. that's on the Team 980, correct? That is, yeah, and um, um, you know, all over the Washington Football Team Radio Network, and the app does pick it up after the people go. The game's not on the app. No, it's not. The NFL blacks it out because Sirius XM pays high dollar for the radio broadcast of all the teams. So, if you want to hear the games on the radio during the games, you gotta you gotta pay for Sirius XM. So anyway, but yes, after the games and the pregame with Julie Donaldson is there, and then the postgame with. Myself and Brent Smoot is there as well. And, you know, Julie will have, and D'Angelo will have post-game interviews with players.
players, coaches, or with the coach, I should say. And then, uh, you know, we'll have, uh, we'll have calls and hopefully, you know, Fred, he'll have something weird to say. So that's always, do you, fun. Get, do you get Ron after he talks to us or before? Uh, usually after, usually after, um, yeah, the last week was after as well on the road. Yeah. I'm coming to think of it. We, we and Fred and I only talked to him after the road games. Um, cause now you know, locker room sort of open, as you know, it's like kind of open, sort of not open. So, um, the radio team is allowed to go down there in the tunnel and interview at home games, not on the road, however. So with all this, you know, the COVID stuff, it's still a little bit, you know, a little bit different. Um, and then, then we'll get like Heineke or whoever, you know, the quarterbacks are obviously, um, of course, always been Heineke this year. One of my Sam Fitzpatrick didn't even finish the first game. So, yeah, so it's been Heineke all year. So, All right. Well, so good. Right. So you're going to get Ron Rivera after this game because they are playing at home. Yes. All right. Well, no, I mean, we always get – well, I won't get him. Like, Julie will talk to him. And, and D'Angelo may – or Julie right. will talk to Coach. And D'Angelo and Julie will talk to the players. And Fred and I will just sit there and, um, and we'll react. We'll react. Great. And probably overreact as we often often tend to do as well. I think so. I think that tends to happen across the board. Yeah, when, when and I'm hoping I'm hoping for a surprise Sunday, man, because I'm going to be driving back. I'm going to have a long Saturday. I got a I got a game that night in Richmond uh, at Siegel Center, which will be a lot of fun. And then, you know, pumping it back uh, to be there, you know, bright and early on uh, Sunday uh, for the game at FedEx. When I'm imagining we're going to see a lot of twelve jerseys, which um, is going to be weird. Because uh, I mean, Buccaneers fans aren't necessarily known to be a traveling fan base, but as you know, FedEx Field has um, had a bit of an issue with the road teams, and uh, this particular road team has the Super Bowl champion. So there is that bandwagon factor. There you go. Why well, it should be fun. Uh, look forward to uh, listening to you when I'm leaving. And uh, Scott, always appreciate it. We'll talk soon. All right, Ben. Thanks, buddy. See you. All right. Um, Typically, obviously, we talk about the Washington football team here, but I do try to get in some of the Washington Wizards talk. And, you know, obviously, I'm like, all right, well, we'll talk about them until there's maybe less reason to consistently. Well, we're not there yet because the Wizards are the team that are actually winning games uh, of of these two teams. At the moment, we're talking. They are now seven and three coming off a big win Sunday night over the uh, reigning NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, what a world. And then Wednesday, they have a big game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, I'm sober when I said that. Seven to three Wizards, seven and four Cavs. Uh, I'm not positive when this is going to go up, but in case it has not happened yet, either way, I wanted to discuss some Wizards. So here to help me do that is my pal with NBC Sports Washington, Chase Hughes. Uh, Chase, um, the Wizards. <laughs> like, have you ever done the math? Like, because I've lost track of how many years you've been on the beat, like what the winning percentage has been in the games you've seen, because clearly they've obviously had stretches where they've won seven out of 10 games, but in totality, they've been largely a dumpster fire for the last several years for a variety of reasons. This is easily not just the best stretch, but the most, it feels like there's one where like, I don't quite know where this is going to go. I knew last year with Russell Westbrook, things were going to, I mean, whatever, there was a ceiling. I don't know what's going to happen here. It's actually kind of exciting to watch. What's it, what's it been like so far? It's been amazing. I mean, obviously, anyone who's watched this team for as long as I have and as you have, I mean, I've covered this team for this is my sixth season now. Uh, basically, I lined up right with the Scott Brooks era, but I've been watching them since I was in diapers and uh, haven't seen what I've seen. Uh, I think everyone's a little apprehensive to buy in completely uh, just because of the team's history and also because there's so many new players. It's a new coaching staff. Everything's so new. But I think if you 
took like just the numbers and took the name out of the equation and just looked at it. Uh, it, this looks like a really good team. I mean, they're showing up in every stat that you'd want them to show up well in. Uh, they're defending threes, they're rebounding, they're limiting turnovers. They're the best transition defensive team in, in the NBA. Uh, their, their defensive defensive rating is top 10. So basically they're defending, rebounding, they're protecting the ball. They look like a well-coached team. The only thing they're not doing is, is making their threes, but I think there's reason to believe that they'll shoot better as the season goes on. Um, I mean, look, we, we've talked a lot about their depth. That's obviously a lot better. There's no real debate about that. They've got more adults in the room is the way I keep phrasing it. It's not just Bradley Beal having to babysit a bunch of kids or others who just aren't ready for prime time. He's got guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Montrez Harrell who've been in big games and 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 can play or not. You know, they're they're not afraid. They're they're you know they're they're, they're real players, and then it kind of keeps going. But you know, part of what the intrigue is also is. The development of a guy like Denny Avdia, who look, uh, as a you know fellow bar mitzvah boy, I'm very excited <laughs> by 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 what by what this kid might be. And in general, I like the makeup of his his game. This sort of I don't want to say a point forward that's overstating, but a, a forward with with real with the real vision, passing skills. You saw that yesterday at the end of the game, uh, where he gets a touch, he gets a ball sort of in the high post, and there's a really quick touch pass to Dinwiddie open for what was what essentially was the game clinching three or the kind of three that Steve Buckhans would have yelled dagger on like one of those plays. And, you know, defensively, he's he's made some strides. You can just see the confidence growing. And, you know, to me, look, to your point, I don't know where this is going to go this year. You know, I, I'm not even remotely considering championship or, or contending because uh, Bradley Beal, a good player. You know, he's like a top 15 player. You need typically a top five or two, three guys in the top 10. They're not there yet. But where does this thing going forward? You're going to need some of these younger guys to develop. And Tommy Shepard's done a great job, but his draft picks have not quite clicked yet. And Denny obviously is starting to show some things there. What, what, what's been the sense out there in terms of where he's at? Like, I, I'm believing what I'm seeing, but it is still early. What, what, what's going different with Denny this year, do you think, than, than maybe last year? Well, I think it's been really interesting because he was billed as an offensive first player when he came into the league. Like I, I remember watching games of his, you know, entering the draft. And the first thing that stood out to me was his mobility and his skill set at his size with the ball in his hands, especially in transition. Uh, just, you know, very, very agile, uh, very, very skilled, keeps his head up, has good vision, uh, good handle, all those things. Uh, defensively, I didn't know he was going to be this good this early, um, but he showed flashes last year. And I think having one year of experience under his belt has made a big difference. I also think the change in the foul rule enforcement has made a big difference because, you know, he, he kept getting in foul trouble last year. He was averaging uh, four fouls per 36 minutes. This year it's down closer to three. Um, and last year there were just a lot of, I think, rookie calls that he got where he would stay vertically, wouldn't even leave his feet, but a veteran would kind of initiate the contact and that would just throw his game off. Now those calls aren't being made, right? They changed uh, the way the rules are enforced. So I think that's helped him. Um, and I think he's just a, a more confident player who knows the opposing personnel. Uh, he's averaging like a block and a half per 36 minutes, about a block a game. You know, he's not playing a full uh, starter's minutes. Um, and offensively, he still remains a work in progress, but the, the potential is so obvious when you see him with the ball in his hand and he's he's knocking down some threes. I think it's going to take some time. It's it's He's only 20. Um, he's in a deep rotation with a lot of veteran players. 
I think it's a tough situation for a young guy to just completely take initiative and, you know, demand for the ball and, and, and be very aggressive looking for their own shot. But defensively, that's the reason why we're seeing them on the floor. You know, the other night against the, the Bucs, uh, Daniel Gafford had a terrific third quarter, but he was on the bench in the closing minutes and Denny Avdi was out there. And obviously that paid off for coach Unsell. Um, you mentioned, um, coach Unsell. Um, so like, obviously I've covered, I, I covered the team for a long time and, you know, I, I didn't even have to watch a lot of games over the last couple of years to have a feel for what was happening with Scott Brooks and, and, and a lot of the players a lot of things have changed uh, since. So it is not just, I can't just be like, well, I can just assume what's happening. And particularly with this head coach, because not only is he a new coach, he was an assistant before. So we have not really seen him in this realm. Um, I won't make you say anything negative about Scott Brooks. I've done that plenty for both of us over the last couple of years. <laughs> um, and so, so far when I've been watching these games, look, there's always some quibbles about whatever, but like, like I haven't wanted to throw my remote across the room and I haven't saw, I haven't looked at this and said, boy, this decision right now doesn't make a lot of sense and, and whatever. Um, it's early. It's 10 games. I'm not going to give him coach of the year or anything, but it does seem like th- Look, obviously they're playing better, and and they're you know, it's not even just like it's not even just like winning a game because sometimes you can you know get hot shooting night, but they're they're winning with a certain amount of resolve. It feels like, and I, you know it's 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 easy to like what I what I've seen so far. So from the perspective of the coach, like what stand what 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 what's sort of standing out about about him? Does any of this feel fluky, or does this or what what or why would it feel? Why does anything feel sustainable? I think it definitely feels sustainable. I mean, they're playing with more structure, particularly on the defensive end, and they're just showing up in categories that suggest they're now the type of team that won't beat themselves. Like they're not going to make very many mistakes and allow other teams to take advantage of them. They've slipped a little bit recently in terms of the turnovers they're um, they're allowing, but um, they're doing a really good job of preventing fast break points. Uh, I mentioned earlier, they're allowing the fewest fast break points Uh, in the league. Um, You know, there's just a lot of things that that I think suggest that they're playing uh, sort of they're out kicking their coverage in a way. You know, they don't have a single player on this roster who averaged more than six rebounds a game last year. And then all of a sudden uh, this year, they're I think they're sixth in rebounding right now because they have like five or six guys who are averaging career highs. Kyle Kuzma has like basically doubled his rebound total Montrose Harrell is averaging a career high. Bradley Beal, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. All these guys are kind of buying in. Um, I, I think they're, they're also impressing me when you look at individual matchups. Uh, you know, going into these last two games, they were playing the Grizzlies and they were playing the Bucks. And John Morant and Giannis Antetokounmpo, two of the best players in the league at scoring in the paint. Well, Wes Unsell Jr. had said it himself. The Wizards, that's one of their weak weaknesses, the biggest weaknesses is preventing points in the paint. But by scheming them up in uh, the ways that he did, they were able to neutralize John Moran. He had his worst scoring night of the season so far. Um, Giannis had a ridiculous stat line of like 29 points, 18 rebounds, uh, three steals and a block, but they got key stops when they needed them. Uh, you know, Daniel Gafford had some success against them. They sent him to the line. He was five for 12. So little things like that, that I think indicate uh, the strategy of the team. And then also we've talked about obviously their depth and how they've been able to withstand injuries so far. I mean, they've won a few games missing three starters at a time. Uh, Daniel Gafford was out. Rui Hachimura was out. 
they won a game without Bradley Beal. Spencer Dinwiddie was out when both those guys were also missing. And they're beating good teams. You know, they were missing three opening day starters, if you were to project it, you know, going into training camp. And they beat the Hawks in Atlanta. And the Hawks were in the conference finals a couple months ago. Um, so that's always been a good indicator to me of a good head coach is do things just keep rolling, no matter who, who's in there, what the pieces are. And Wes Unsell Jr. right now looks like that type of coach. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. All right, here's my last uh, take. Um, it can't cards. be your last. I, I know. I know how many takes you have been. <laughs> well, I, the last take I will share uh, here on this on this episode. <laughs> I have other ones, but with regards to Bradley Beal, so uh, I said for the last two years or so, when everybody crapped on him for his terrible defense, which often was terrible, I I gave him a pass in in, in, in this regard. He's being asked to do literally everything on the other end of the court, playing a ton of minutes with, with you know, by and large, without him, the Russell Westbrook experience was only part of the year. He was hurt a lot. And it goes beyond when Russell Westbrook showed up that to an extent, what was the point in expending yourself so much on defense when this team was going to give up 120, almost regardless, right? Isaiah Thomas was the other guard. He's not playing much defense at all. Westbrook wasn't either. This team couldn't stop anybody. So Bradley Beal expending a ton of energy on that end of the court was not logical in this. I mean, look, everybody has these ideas, play hard on both ends and rah, 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 you know, get, get over yourself. Like you got to be within, within, within reason. You can pick to any star player you want. It'll go hard out 40 minutes a game, every game on both ends of the court. But when you're asked to do all the things he's being asked to do, it's even harder to do that. People forget that before when they had the, the wall and Gortat and Marquise Morris and Otto Porter team, Bradley Beal played good defense. It just, then it became bad. So now it sounds like, we're starting to see a better version of Beal on defense. I don't know if it's necessarily would say every play, but they're starting to see better versions of that. And it sounds like Wes Unsell Jr. is is noting that. And uh, great. But here's the thing. I think the 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 idea the, the next step in this evolution in terms of like, okay, now maybe he's starting to play defense more. I think the next step is, the end of game in particular, when he is ball dominant and he's leading to a bunch of turnovers, the reality is this. He is an incredible, he is so much improved as a ball handler from where he entered the league. It's not even close, but he's not a point guard. He's not a facilitator. It's never been his thing. He may be able to get to the basket on his own, but he can get in trouble when he's trying to create for others or when the defense throws, you know, a couple of defenders at him or whatever. He's an off-the-ball player, and Scott Brooks, because well, among Scott Brooks' many faults, I'm such a jerk, among his <laughs> faults was that he allowed his star players to do whatever they wanted. And with, with Kevin Durant and maybe Westbrook to a degree and Beal to a degree, that works. But at some point, even the stars need structure, and he didn't give Beal any. And I think what's happening is I think I'm waiting to see when Wes Unsell Jr. or somebody else on the team says to Brad, okay, look, we want you to understand what's going here. We want you to play through your – through, we want you to keep playing the way you're doing, but you need to understand you have other guys. Spencer Dinwiddie is a real player who can make shots and make plays. Montrez Harrell, the same. Denny Avdia, we saw that pass he made the, the other day. He can do some things. You don't need to be that guy, and we want you to play through this. I think when they when they tell when when they get Bradley Beal to recognize he doesn't have to do all those that hero ball that he was having to do the last couple of years, I think this team can even actually go to another level. So, what do you think about that? 
I think that's the next step for him for sure. You know, he's, um, as you mentioned, probably a top 15 player in the league. I think uh, to close the gap and become a top 10 guy um, or a top five guy, a real MVP candidate, I think he needs to, in these close games, really make it obvious that he's the difference between a win and a loss because the the guys who separate themselves from just being stars that are the superstars, you know, I, I think James Harden, Damian Lillard, some of those guys come to mind. Um, you can just see them kind of impose their will that they'll find a way they'll get to the line or, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be making a big shot. Uh, Bradley Beal, we haven't really seen that happen last year. You know, if you look at his numbers in the clutch were, uh, which is defined as the final five minutes of regulation and overtime when the game is within five points, um, his percentage is plummeted, you know, field goal percentage, uh, three point percentage, I believe even free throw percentage. Um, now playing heavy minutes and, um, you know, having a large role in, uh, in the offense and taking a lot of shots that that has a cumulative effect. And at the end of the game, maybe your legs aren't there and you kind of need your legs at the end of the game to be a clutch player. Um, but now that he's playing fewer minutes, um, he's got more help on offense. Uh, you would think that there's more energy for him to spend at the end of games. So and we've seen some games recently, you know, even against the Bucks, he had some really bad turnovers in the closing minutes. Um, you know, they won a game against the Celtics in overtime at home where he had some um, some rough moments. He also had some very good moments. It's been kind of inconsistent. I think it was against the Grizzlies. He didn't score in the final four and a half minutes. Um, so they kind of closed it out without his scoring. We know he can score 25, 30 points a game uh, for an entire season. I think the next step for him is uh, that scoring barrage that we see him have in the second quarter where he goes off for 15 to 20 points have that happen in the fourth quarter more consistently. And then I think if the Wizards are good and he's doing that, uh, it'll become very, very obvious and he'll get the the credit that I think he's long been looking for. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what 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 they do. Look, they're, they're off to a good start. You know, it, it's a very new look. The other teams have got to figure out what the Wizards are at at some point. You know, 20 games is always seems to be like a reasonable time to really starting to feel like, okay, here's what these teams kind of are. And, you know, we're not there yet, but um, look, it's so far so good. It's been fun. They're, they're, they're a fun team. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, I know a lot of people enjoyed the Westbrook experience. I did not. I mean, obviously he's a really entertaining player, but just, just you had to, yeah. But I, I think everyone agrees that you had to go through it, right? L- look at the, where you went, where you, or I guess where you came from with John Wall. So you went through that one year and now look at where you are. I, th- I think you don't get here without going through oh, that experience. No, no. It was an amazing, amazing what, the, what, what Tommy Shepard was able to turn the John Wall contract into, including, I mean, they made the playoffs last year. They were the eighth seed. I mean, beyond the getting into the playoff game, but like, like I would not have thought that I, I would have thought it might happen if Westbrook had stayed healthy, not based on how things started. And then obviously a hundred things. So yeah, the Westbrook experience was wild and whatever, but from like a, from how I view the basketball world, not for me, this group, much more of that Montrez Harrell. Like if I was a fan who bought jerseys, I'd be buying one of those. Uh, pretty, pretty <laughs> hey, their first game. home game, the owner, Ted Leonsis had one on. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, uh, Montrez Harrell's all kinds of, all kinds of fun, and uh, yeah, we'll see how how this goes. They got to take him out of the last two minutes, of the, even in blowouts. I don't care what else is going on; he can't stop himself. He's going to go hardcore. He needs to be off the court in blowouts so he doesn't hurt himself. He doesn't know how to pace it. So, uh, just that would be you can you can pass that along to, to Coach Unseld if you'd like. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, do deal. Um, Chase, what 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 do people need to know about your uh, your world? Where, where can they find you? Or what what do you want people to know uh, about what you're up to? 
Uh, I would just say uh, check out, check me out on Twitter uh, at Chase Hughes NBCS, and I write a lot about the Wizards on NBC Sports Washington, so you can always find my work there. There you go. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, by the way, I just have to tell people we're doing this over Zoom, but the, I'm only using the audio. Chase spent this entire time because he's Mr. Television, looking at me very professional, like he's doing a TV hit. I, of course, am like, <laughs> I'm looking around like I'm always doing very distra- easily distracted. Chase is very serious, very professional. Just just wanted you guys to know that. Uh, I just, I've just been trying to do the Tom Cruise uh, eye contact to the extent that it's uncomfortable. Is that what is that is that his move? Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's an intimidation tactic, I believe. Well, I, I've been that's why I've been averting my eyes the whole time. I don't know where to look. Uh, th- thanks, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Many thanks to Scott Jackson and Chase Hughes for their time. Many thanks to everybody here, of course, for checking out the podcast. Always appreciate it. You guys have been great to me uh, on this and all the other podcasts I've done. I really appreciate the the, the feedback, the listens, the downloads. It's all important, uh, and I definitely appreciate it. Um, another podcast, at least coming up this week, big game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I say big game. I mean, look, it's Tom Brady, the defending Super Bowl champions. We get to revisit last year's playoff game uh, where Taylor Heineke became a a thing. Uh, So I'm sure we'll have more of that uh, conversation here in the next, uh, or have that conversation here this week. Uh, So that's it for now. Ben Standig signing off. Until next time. See ya.